0: God bless you. Welcome tonight. I'm going to uh, invite Kelly to join me here. I'm also going to invite Amy Garnett, who is going to uh, help us. Would you be a blessing to both of those as they come and join us? I'm so grateful to have Amy as a part of our panel this evening. Amy has been a part of our church family for many years. She has taught in our church for many years, been a part of the girls' ministry. She has a gift of teaching. She is a professional educator at Summit Christian Academy. Uh, I know she has studied in the Old Testament. She's been very engaged with us on these Wednesday nights. And so I've been um, just praying and you know trusting God for uh, different ones that would be added to the panel. and and uh, ask her, and she graciously prayed and agreed, and here she is with us. So Amy, thank you. I'm looking forward to, to her input as well. And of course, Kelly, is gifted teacher as well, so grateful uh, for her. Pastor Matt Land is going to be joining us next week, and so uh, that's, that's kind of cool. And so uh, uh, we're, we're looking forward to all of that. Thank you for that prayer, Michelle, because what good does it do if we know the Word but do nothing with it? you know, why have the gifts that God gives us if we don't use them? right and so it's not just to receive 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 and receive and do nothing with it we take what God has given us and if we're ever waiting to be perfect in those areas if we're waiting you know to have all the knowledge in those areas we're never going to do that right and so wasn't it that God who chose the disciples who were just what they were considered to many just simple people simple men uh, unlearned and yet God used them to change the world and so uh, I'm grateful for uh, Michelle do you have the other mic I'm sorry so I'm, I'm grateful for that prayer
1: I mean,
0: I don't mind reading yeah. on the same mic
1: as Amy, but she will love him. Now, there we way. go.
0: Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 27. I do appreciate uh, Pastor Adria and Joe as well helping us last week uh, uh, fill in as we were, as Kelly and I were both gone. Uh, but let's turn to Genesis chapter number 27. We're going to go ahead and read through these 46 verses, and then we'll begin to kind of look over it as we, as we normally do. So, Genesis chapter 27, verse number one. It says, one day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son. And he said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied. I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son. Before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, "Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, "Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal, that I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die." Now, my son, listen to me, do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine goats." I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah. My brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way that Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said, yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. (laughs) Then Isaac said to Jacob, bless you, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau, he asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, Now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father And Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced. And he blessed his son. He said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, May God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, Sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so that you can give me... Oh, did I... I did not mean to do that in my notes. I so apologize. There, I think it cut off here in my print. Yep. All who curse you be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. His father Esau returned to his hut. Is, was that it? Mm-mm. Read that for me, Kelly. As
1: soon as Isaac had finished, sorry. As soon
0: as Isaac
1: had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left, his father Esau returned
0: from his hut. Thank you. Mine got cut off there for some reason. Thank you. I didn't think that was right. Verse thirty-one. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, Sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, Who are you? Esau replied, It's your son, your firstborn son Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and a bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob. For now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him on an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you only have one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau, he broke down and he wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, you will live away from the richness of, uh, riches of earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready to flee to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. This is a chapter full of manipulation and deceit. It plays out from the very first verse to the very last verse. And there's many things I believe that we can pick up here this evening. I'm going to ask Kelly, if she would, to kind of lead out here a little bit. Then Amy, we're going to let you run with it. And then I'll jump in at any time here. So yeah, go for it.
1: Um, Okay. Just a reminder last week. I mean, Jacob and Esau are twins. um, They even battled inside the womb, if you remember, in Genesis 25, 22. And it was promised that both of the sons would become nations, but God actually spoke to Rebekah, the mother, if you'll remember, and told her that the younger son would rule over the older son. So um, that's already been established by God. And if you'll remember, Esau did not value his birthright and, and sold it to his brother Jacob for a bowl of stew. So... I think when we read Genesis, a lot of times, if it seems like it to you guys, it seems like you're working your way through a novel, like an epic novel. And this chapter to me, I I said it to Pastor Steve earlier, seems like a play, like with all these different scenes playing out, like Act 1, Act 2, and the different uh, parents and the sons and, and working through this. And so, Um, that was kind of my take on kicking us off tonight. And so if you want to jump in there and some things you saw and then we can fill some things in. 27. Yeah. Yeah,
0: 27. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I just was filling in the background for anybody who wasn't here.
2: Well, I, can I add something to the background? Absolutely. Yeah. Go for it. Um, what I read about last chapter that I thought was interesting, um, when I was reading the commentaries, I thought it was unusual that um, Jacob was the one that was cooking the stew. Go back to that part, mm-hmm. and then um, he, you know, he sold his bir- Esau sold his birthright and everything. Um, what I read was that Jacob was frustrated with Esau not living Christ-like, or you know, living for God, and that's why he um, took it into his own hands and manipulated. But because he was the promised son, so he should have been the one that was um, set first. And so I thought that was interesting. Kind of leads right into this. But um, it begins in 27 about, you know, Isaac, um, he asked Esau to make him a meal. um, And he was on his deathbed, or that's the way it portrays it um, as if he's bedridden. And um, what I was reading was, how, how do we want to go out that we ask somebody to make us a, a good meal for ourselves? Because back in those culture, even in Jesus' time, it was very important to share a meal with somebody. And he said, make me my favorite food. So he portray, Isaac already portrayed that he um, was showing some selfishness already in that part. Um, you go back to Abraham. What does Abraham do before he... Passes away. He sends um, his faithful servant to go get a bride for his son. And Joseph, um, um, nope, I've lost it. That's why I brought my books. That's okay.
0: You're fine. Yeah, first (laughs) night's good. good. You're good.
2: Oh, when David, King David, before he passed away, he made sure he had the right king on the throne. And here Isaac, before he passes away, or he thinks he's going to pass away, he says, I don't know when I'm going to die. But he's worried about a good meal for
0: himself. Even his father prepared, gave help, make sure Isaac had a wife. You know, before yeah, he passed. Right. So we yes. have lots of great examples, yes. but I saw that's, that same thing. And, and West here's West 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 West. what's interesting about that. One of, the, one of the studies I was reading had a thing about where Martin Luther tried to calculate the time. And so it said that probably he was about 137 years old at this point in time. He lived to be 180. So if that's true, there was 43 years more of life. <laughs> to take place. forty. It made me feel better because when he talked about his eyesight going and thought he was going to die, I mean, thought about my glasses and I'm not, like, man, I'm getting to the end here. But uh, if that's true, and I just got to research that a little bit, it seems like there was a little bit more time to pass before he actually uh, died, but such a good point that he was acting selfishly. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, the other thing that
2: um, it it talked about or I looked up in research and researched, and it never even made me think about it, but when um, he asked um, Esau, and Esau went out to go hunting, and then we um, know that um, he wanted to give his favorite son a blessing, which is not God's will. He was not following God's will right there, and um, we're going to come about it in just a second about, well, I, I don't know. Do you want me to stop there? No,
0: keep, I, going. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, just keep going. Well,
2: I'm this came to me, I, this was not commentary, the Holy Spirit showed this to me, never thought of it before, and I thought, when Rebecca hears, and he, she goes to Jacob and says, you know, do this, and she goes and gets Esau's clothes out of her house, why would Esau's clothes be at her house? And so when I looked it up and found, he probably was um, keeping his, uh, his um, ceremonial clothes, at her house because his wives were pagan and so he was in the place of doing the um, rituals for his father because his father was bedridden and so he had his special clothes at his mom's house and so obviously Isaac was not following God's will he's having Esau do the promised work that um, Jacob was supposed to be doing all this time That's that's
1: one of the things I thought was interesting is that Esau knew that he had sold his birthright to Jacob. And Isaac had to know what the Lord had spoken to Rebecca. And so they're really just being super sneaky and trying to make things work out the way they want it to. And I just read um, added in here Job 5.12 and it says... God frustrates the plans of schemers, so the work of their hands will not succeed.
0: Yeah, it's good. I, I said here, no matter how much we scheme or manipulate, we are never going to outsmart or outmaneuver God in our lives. And I know there are times when we probably think, well, I would never do that. But probably at some point, at some time we believed in God's promise, we, we believed in what was before us, but yet we still tried to get it in our own way, not trusting God for the plan to lay out because of the uncertainties or because it didn't quite look the way that we thought it was going to look. And so we will try to maneuver our, our way through life. That can be with our own family, it can be with our own children, it can be with our finances, it can be with our career, it can be with our relationships with other people, where we know God has a plan and a purpose and if we will trust Him, all of that will unfold, but we get ahead of it at times. Yeah. And we, we try to. To manipulate that in Proverbs 19:21. Uh, you can make many plans, but what does it say? The Lord's purpose is going to prevail. And even in this story, as difficult as this story is to read, because there's disappointment, there's disobedience, there's manipulation, there's self-interest. It's all over here. Like you said, it's like a play. You've got all these plots that are taking place. Uh, not sure she's eavesdropping. You know, uh, some theologians kind of take it as she's eavesdropping. Others don't. I mean, she always knows what's going on when she's not in the room. So something's happening right there. So you see all of this taking taking place in this. (laughs) It's still not going to uh, uh, change what God's plan is uh, in his life. But what a mess we make. What a mess we make when we take things into our own hands, when we know that we're doing it outside of God. Because from the beginning, I believe, and you saw it here in the scriptures, we read it. Isaac knew he was outside of the will of God, I have no doubt, Amy. You know, when you just said that, I think that's so good. He was trying to do it his way. He was trying to force the fact that his firstborn, his favorite, could be, you know, or you know, could be the to be the one. And and so, uh, uh, it just there's a lot there. Go ahead, Kelly. Um,
1: well, the next thing is so now we've had uh, Esau and Isaac their schemes, and then you go right into the next scene, and it's Rebecca and Jacob's schemes. And the thing about this is that Jacob is obviously Rebecca's favorite, but she also knows what the Lord has spoken to her. And so even though Rebecca and Jacob are also scheming, they have a big favor on their side, and that is that God has already said that Jacob is going to prevail over Esau, And um, I just think it's so, like, this can't be her favorite, her first time to have kind of manipulated things. Because think about her plan, like how detailed and intricate it is. It's like this big, giant web of lies. First, they have to make the soup, and she has to make it taste just like the wild game soup that her husband loves She has to get the exact right skins to put on Jacob's arms. She has to get the clothes, like you talked about, that were Esau's, that were there at his father's house, which she would have known about. The words that she tells Jacob to say, don't worry about what you say, don't worry about what your dad says, you just let me worry about any problems that come from this. And the thing that I thought in this part, I don't know if you guys saw this, but lies appeal to our senses what we see what we hear what we taste what we smell what we feel lies appeal to those because they're immediate they're right then they satisfy us in the moment and so that was
2: one of the big things I saw out of that did you
1: have something you'd like to share um
2: when I was reading about it and what I was looking same thing is um Isaac relied on his own strength to decide if it was Isaac or Esau. He relied on his, uh, his smell, his touch, yeah. his feel. Um, and then I also put, he knew that that was not Esau.
0: I thought the same thing. He knew. Yeah.
2: He was convicted because, verse 33, Isaac heard Esau. Um, he trembled. Then Esau, after he uh, Esau comes in, which is jumping ahead, but it says, verse 33, then Isaac trembled and shook violently and said, he knew, he was convicted. And so I think that um, he was relying on his senses. How many times do we do that? Yeah. This doesn't look right, but God tells us to do it. Or um, we want to, I'm a very much a take care of business and just take, do it myself, not rely on, um, you know, God or my husband. You know, I, I have to really work on that because... I think I can fix it. You know, I have all these ideas and, and stuff, and that's not what we're supposed to do.
0: And we're what, supposed to rely on him. what we would hope for in this moment, and it's a lesson for us to learn as we get to look at it from the angle, which we do, is that you would have hoped in that moment, because all the questions he asked, and yeah. he wasn't convinced until he, you know, smelled him. So he did. I felt like he knew the whole time, and all he had to do was say, God, is this your plan? Is this your purpose? Is this how it unfolds? But he just kept pushing through with it. And again, I'm trying to relate this to our lives, to our walk of faith, and how we approach life, and how we approach our decisions, how we approach our relationships and our family. Again, everything that falls on our plate, how we approach it. We push, we push, we push, and then then and we do question. But instead of just right then and there saying, okay, I've got to stop a minute. I've got to stop. Because at any time, you look at this story, he could have said, my son's... I need you to just step out for a little bit because he could have went to the Lord in prayer, but yet maybe he felt the pressure. You know, I don't know exactly what all he's feeling right here, but something's not right about this situation. And again, I believe it's because he has drifted so far from where he needed to be in that walk with God. I mean, here's the man that when he was young was going with his father and his father tells him what's about to happen. He's going to lay his, his life down, you know, on the altar to be sacrificed. And how far we have come from that moment now to years later in life to where he is at. Instead of seeing this growth happen, instead of seeing this, and I know it sounds like I'm a little bit a little bit hard on him, but what I'm seeing here, it kind of goes back to what I said a few weeks ago. As we get older, our faith shouldn't waver. Our faith shouldn't be weakened. Our faith shouldn't be in a place where, we, where, where we're not as strong. Our faith ought to be strong as we get to that point in life if i i do not want to be 137 years old or 180 you know lord take us home you know we know that's not going to happen but as we get older may our faith i think these stories help help you and i to say okay we're just like them we are human we are wired in the same ways and we can certainly make the same mistakes but what a blessing that we have in the grace of god to give us a story to help us see that as we age and as we get older we should be closer because another thing i see here is Kelly and I talked about this beautiful story when Isaac and Rebecca first met and how there was so much faith, and so much obedience, so much trust, and how when they saw each other, I mean, it, it was a pretty romantic story of how this all fell together. And now, look at where the marriage is at. That just really hit me today. I think mean, look at where the marriage is at. The marriage ought to be, you know, finishing each other's sentences. The marriage ought to be total support. The marriage ought to be to care, to nurture, to give. The marriage itself ought to be at a very mature place. But instead, the marriage, to me, when I read chapter 27, is incredibly distant. What was it that caused Isaac and Rebecca to be distant from one another? Why in these separate rooms? Why, the, why what I heard? you know, Because, again, it sounds like eavesdropping or someone, you know, I mean, she heard it. Scripture said it. So, you know, why is it all playing out like this? Why not the love and the support and the trust in God's plan together? This was God's plan and promise given to Abraham, now passed on to them that they would pass on. Why not embrace that together? and trust and be obedient. So I don't want to judge them and get on them really hard, but I'm definitely learning from this saying I don't want to go that path. I don't want to distance myself from my wife as I get older. I need her more and more each and every day. And I pray when I get to that place, we're supportive. We're encouraging. Uh, We're not, you know, tearing each other down. We're we're not in separate rooms. We're not in separate places. But we're we're going through life together and the promise that God has placed on our life. I pray that for all of us. So for me, I know that may be taking a little bit uh, a different angle, but I just saw the marriage as well and then how that has fed into their sons. Because you and I both know what happens in the home. You know, you influence your children and so this deception is just and all of this twisting plots which is
1: really odd because his example was Abraham and Sarah and their marriage was so strong you know through the end so
0: yeah it had difficulties kind of, at the beginning you yeah, know but, but then he
1: yeah the just end, so yeah, he loved yeah. her so much and so Kind of surprising. So yeah, go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Okay, so so now we're you know where Isaac and Jake, Jacob I say they have their lunch date and when you know Jake uh, um, Amy just talked about you know how deceptive he was and the things he did and the thing in this part of the chapter that I really focused on was um, the the blessing that um, Isaac does speak over Jacob and. Um, that he, he, uh, the blessing is for the dew of heaven, which, is, which was a symbol of God's abundance, and that the, the land would be um, you know, have plenty of water, the richness of the earth, that there would be an abundance of crops, and, which would provide for livestock and feed his family, that his son would be a leader and subdue other nations, that his si- siblings would be in subjection to him, and then he reiterates the promise that um, God made to Abraham, that those who curse his son will be cursed, and those who bless his son will be blessed, which was originally in Genesis 12, 3. And so the Bible taught, has many instances throughout it of blessings, and they're kind of divided into three categories, which are God blessing men, men blessing God, and then um, uh, men blessing other men. and And that kind of blessing is the one I just wanted to talk about for a minute. And and those blessings many times are from like a, a father to a child or, you know, some kind of uh, closeness or intimacy between people. And these blessings in this culture contained a legal element in it. And the book I studied said that they were really seen as binding as a will in this culture. And... Um, so what could have appeared to be all through someone's life, then on that, that deathbed blessing could shake things up sometimes, as it does in this family. The blessings many times also um, have, contain a prophetic element to them, and like a father speaking long life or prosperity over his child, like speaking that out over them. And when you read through the Old Testament, you see many blessings that were spoken over future generations. People who were in the lineage of Jesus, uh, blessings that were spoken over them and then prophetically how that came to pass with the birth of Jesus. So I think that's just kind of a powerful um, Tradition that that might be nice even for us to consider, you know, when we're praying over our children, you know, what we might just consider praying over them, but also speaking a blessing over them for, you know, a, a healthy body, a long life, you know, financial security, all those things that we all in here obviously want for our children that that would be a wonderful thing for us to maybe continue doing in our lives today. And um, I just wanted to share one of the blessings in, in the Bible that I think many of us know and I think is really beautiful, and it's the blessing in Numbers 6, 24 through 26. And, and I'm going to speak it over you guys right now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So, did you have anything you wanted to add in that part of the... Okay, um, so I guess we can kind of move on to now Isaac and Esau being together and, um, uh, you know, just how brokenhearted, I think, uh, Esau is. Um, I, I know, you know, he... We, Steve and I were talking earlier about how the story's almost written from a reference of, you feel sorry for him in this story almost. I mean, how it's written, your heart kind of goes out to him. And, um, and you can almost, just how it's written, you can feel his pain. It says, you know, he's just broken and he's weeping and, and saying, but dad, don't, don't you have anything left for me? You don't have any any blessing left for me? I mean, who would hear that and not go, oh my gosh, please just give him something, you know, (laughs) say something kind over him. And so the blessing for Esau is, like Michelle said that one week about the blessing on somebody else, oh, on Ishmael. And she was like, is that really a blessing? So he, um, um, what Isaac speaks over him is that the earth and the sky are going to be harsh towards Esau, and he's going to always be at war with others. He's going to be a servant to Jacob. But the last line of that blessing says, but one day Esau is going to break free. And I feel like that's something for us to put in the back of our mind to save. Because in weeks to come, I feel like we'll see that come Not to pass. And, um, and obviously what we've all been talking about up here is... Because of how these parents were, because of the favoritism they showed, it created a huge divide between these sons. And, I mean, it was sad what, we, what Pastor Steve read earlier. It says, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob because his father had given Jacob the blessing. And he said, I'm going to mourn my father, and then I will kill my brother. Can you even imagine that home?
2: I mean, I just can't imagine anything worse. Did you have something? Um, I just, when I was reading it and, and looking, it said that he cries out for himself, not in repentance of what he had done. And in yeah. um, it, what I was seeing was that Esau had, a, had trouble blaming others for his own mistakes, and we, we do that. We have to watch, make sure that we don't do that. Um, and then um, they were both disobeying God, um, both Esau and Isaac and everything.
0: For Esau, too, and that, I mean, that's kind of where my mind was going with Esau is he's kind of brought us all along himself on how he's lived his life. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, it wasn't repentance. You do feel your heart does go out to him, but in a way, I like for me, it wasn't like, "Oh, I want to give you something." I'm like, "When are you gonna learn?" He saw. Yeah. You ever had that happen in your life with someone in your family, or maybe yourself? Maybe you was a little bit spoiled. Maybe you had a lot of favoritism showed towards you, or whatever it was. Or everything always kind of worked out, no matter how many wrongs you did. And I see this this brother right here going, "But you know, but me, but me, but me." He's kind of got that, you know, from the father that's poured into him because that yeah. you said it earlier, Amy, when he was trembling because I looked at that because because we're in the series of emotions, you know, on Sundays. I was looking at all the emotions in this. And both of those, when you, when you read those passages and study those passages, for Isaac to tremble as he did, I mean, convulsing almost yeah. is what that's conveying, uncontrollably. uncontrollably. And that was because he knew he had acted against God's plan. Yeah. And for some reason, maybe he convinced himself that he could outwit God, but he doesn't. And he realizes in this moment that God has been ahead of him the whole time. And that God has revealed now that he knew. And this is what's going to happen. And he knows in this moment he has sinned. He knows that he's been caught. He knows how this is done. And all of that anger is inside of him now and he trembles. So it makes me think about our lives. How many times have we been so angry, maybe to the point of trembling, And it really wasn't anybody else's fault except for ours. Sometimes in our worst moments, it's not because of someone else. It's because of us. We don't want to say that because this culture that we live in is really good at finding blame. Right? Yeah. I mean, let's find some blame. Let's put it somewhere else. When is the last time you heard a leader get behind the microphone and say, you know what, I was completely wrong. Let's reboot and redo this. We don't. When's the last time, you know, one of our children said, you know what, Mom, Dad, I was completely wrong. You have been right this entire time. That's usually not the response. It's usually, but, but, but this happened, but this happened. So you see, Isaac here, what it does to him emotionally uncontrollably trembling at what has unfolded. And it was all unnecessary. It was all unnecessary. God's promise had already been put into play. All they had to do was follow it. This could have looked completely different, but there's free will in our lives. And now there's free will in this story. And a lot of the things that happened in this home was unnecessary. Unnecessary. And the sorrow and the sadness and the selfishness of Esau and what he felt, it was all unnecessary. I believe he could have had a blessed life and very encouraged. And he could have been very much a part of this plan. But yet, free will alters all of that, but it doesn't alter the ultimate plan that God has in place for the promise that was given to Abraham that would be passed through the family and eventually you know coming through the twelve tribes of Jacob, you know who 's going to become Israel and all of those things. I do have some things, but i 'll wrap up here, but i 'm going to go ahead and let you guys finish and then i'll uh, then i'll i 'll close this out if you have anything else in the chapter or something else I just spoke to you
2: um, I kind of went with that. I want to just review just a second really quick. I was thinking when, um, when Rebecca was planning her, her, um, her deceit, if she had just went in and talked to Isaac, if she had counseled with him, if she had reminded him of the promise, maybe so things would have been yes. different. Um, I don't know about you. My second favorite thing in the whole wide world is my family and my kids. I mean, I love my children. I love when, I'm, you know, in the future, I want them to come back every week. And we always have that joke about coming on Sundays and eating every Sunday. I love them. She is about to lose her favorite. I think she just felt comfortable with him because he was, um, Jacob was, you know, different than she was. And Esau was different than Isaac. And she's about to lose her son, one of her sons. And if she had just counseled with him, and, and so that's the same thing. Finally, after Esau vows to kill Jacob and she hears about it, she goes to Isaac and says, we got, We have to do something. We have to figure this out. Because at least she's stepping up to try to save one of her kids. And um, they should have done it in the first place. And and maybe they learned the lesson a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also thought, you know, she's sending um, Jacob back to um, her hometown to get a bride well it's because of the pagan women living there which caused so much problems and and that's kind of what you know um isaac you know he did for isaac is he said go back to my hometown and get a wife you know got rebecca and so i just thought that was important we need to remember that we um the only person that you can fix is your yourself and god will help you do that uh, he will help you whether you need to learn to be humble, show love, grace, forgiveness. He'll, he'll help you do it. Yeah. And um, if she had done that for, with Isaac and said, let's remember what we're supposed to do here, maybe the family
0: would have been a little better off. Yeah. The probability of her seeing um, Jacob again yeah. is zero.
1: I know that's what it, that's what I read that when I thought was so to, sad. When he went back went back
0: to his uncle. I thought it was about 500 yeah. miles. Yeah. So she's going to pass soon and so the probability you know, probability of her ever seeing again was probably not there. So all because of this the way this unfolded here she is, you know, trying to put yeah. it in her own hands. Boy, just a lot of unnecessary hurt. Go ahead, Kelly. Um
1: the really the last thing I wanted to say was I thought this story really um showed um, free will and also God's omniscience and his omnipresence. God obviously we know each of us has have free will to make whatever decisions we choose to and, and reap the blessings or suffer the consequences but also at the same time God knows everything and he is everywhere at all times God is as much in tomorrow as he is in today as, is, as he was in yesterday and so because of These two statements are both true. God knows everything about us from start to finish. We get to make our own choices, but he knows what those choices are going to be. And so because of that, he knows if there's a liar like Jacob who will one day repent and become a mighty man of God. And he also knows if there's a man like Esau who was driven by his appetite if he'll never change and be unable to be entrusted with the covenant. So what seems harsh sometimes that we read um, is really the wisdom and discernment of God. And I just think that's so amazing that we have free will, but yet God always knows the outcome. He always knows what's going to happen and um, that he will... He uses situations and people, even people that, like a conniving wife, to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. I mean, look, look at how we like to try to tie this into the New Testament. Look at the diverse people that he used to accomplish his will with Jesus' purpose, which was going to the cross. He used Jewish religious leaders who were jealous. He used Pontius Pilate who questioned the decisions he was making. He used Simon the Cyrenian to carry the cross. He used the Roman soldiers. But even though all, many of those were wrong in what they were doing, it still accomplished God's perfect plan.
0: And I'm grateful because we know this and we're going to get into it. The story gets better. And you see the restoration that's going to happen in the brothers, and you know what's going to happen with Jacob. He's going to have a wrestling match that he needs to have. He needs to have it, and, and we'll get there. But I'll end with this as we kind of look at this chapter, and I, don't, I hope we don't leave you too heavy tonight with this chapter, but it's just so real because I think in our own families, if we begin to write a story, we would find a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and a lot of things that have happened that were out of our hands, but then things that happened that were in our hands. And so we know that God has a plan in place. But we also know that worldly wisdom is really causing a lot of unnecessary heartache, division, rivalry here in the home, sadness, anger, revenge. I believe even loneliness. I, I felt loneliness when I was reading this story of, of just what the, the, the home at this point, maybe it wasn't, but it feels cold because of the relationships. And I think about how somehow, some way the worldly wisdom had really gotten into that home. Because the manipulation, even though they were trying to, in a way, trying to do something good, it just was wrong. The whole, the whole approach was wrong. And that's worldly wisdom getting in the way. That's ourselves getting in the way. That's not trusting in God. So that takes us to New Testament, takes us to writing of James, James chapter 3, verse 13. So if, if you are wise and you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous, if there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover, that up. don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Those things are earthly, unspiritual, and it even says demonic. For wherever there is jealousy, selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. God, if there is anything like that in our homes, forgive us and let it be gone. Let it be gone. If there's any division or rivalry or selfish ambition or goals, that are, if there's not unity within the home, in the wife, in the husband, in the children, if there's not unity, God help us overcome that. Let us take a good look at ourselves. I'm always wanting to try to approach this by where we are today and how we learn for this in our own lives. God, if there's anything that, that we're causing, if our, if our home tends to constantly be in disarray, if there constantly tends to be tension, if there constantly tends to be anger, or if we're trying to manipulate things or manipulate conversations, or if you're having to uh, you know step around on your tippy toes because you don't want to set someone off in the family or in the home, something's not right in that home. And we have to be humbled to say, God, forgive us for whatever we've brought in. Forgive us for wherever my heart may be. Forgive me for whatever I've allowed to latch onto me to cause us to be this way. And if I'm a part of this, help me be a part of the solution now. But that has to know, I know that has to be, be all. But let me continue to read verse number 17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace loving. It's gentle at all times. And it's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, and they will reap a harvest of righteousness. I think about this story, I ask the question, how many families have become divided because of all the actions we take that are outside of God's plan and God's purpose? And guys, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm just talking with you. Because I look in my own life, and there were moments in studying through this, I'm like, wow, boy, I needed this a few times ago, many times ago. Because we all get to a place where we can be acting in our own and really maybe not meaning to. And maybe we're we're thinking that we're well-driven. But yet, there's a lot of things there that are being uncovered. And, uh, you know, in my own life, making mistakes, trying to, you know, do it on my own, you know, and then have those outbursts and have those moments. And so uh, this just helps me as as a person. I hope it helps you to say, God, help me stop in those moments instead of pushing, pushing, pushing and trying to make it all work. Let me just stop for a moment and let me just put my focus back on you and put my trust back in you because again, I will say a lot of what we saw here was completely unnecessary. God's plan would have still unfolded and it might have looked, Amy, like you said, might have looked quite a bit different, but it didn't. We move on, just like in our lives. We don't want to look over our shoulder because all of us here today could say, well, man, I've put myself through a lot of unnecessary heartache. Well, that's when we have to do what Paul says. Let's forget what's behind us. Let's look ahead. Let's look at God's mercy. Let's look at God's grace. Let's look at God's love. And let's learn from our mistakes. Let's not keep doing the same thing over and over. Okay, God, I'm here today. Let's see reconciliation. Let's see restoration. Let's see you at work. Let's see that promise unfold because that's where God ultimately is going to take us. So in this story as well, as you read the chapters ahead, you see the mercy of God at work and plan. So we know that God's plan is always the best. For everyone, everyone involved, there's many benefits, there's many blessings, and there's much peace. And isn't that what God wants for us in our lives, in our relationships, with one another, with our families, and with him, is to be at peace? Isn't, and isn't that obtainable? I think sometimes, church, we think it's not obtainable. But peace with God and peace with one another and peace in our homes is incredibly obtainable. That's what God wants for us in our lives. And so I pray we really learn from this and look at this. And, of course, we see God at work. And thank God he doesn't. Boy, he's patient, isn't he? He's so patient. Boy, he is patient. I mean, uh, he's patient with these individuals. He's patient with us. And I thank God for his mercy and his grace and his patience upon our lives. We want to be able to pray over you tonight. We're going to continue to move forward in our stories as we go on. Again, I thank you for your time. I pray it opens up your heart and your mind. I pray it nurtures you, feeds you helps you grow in understanding. And again, you're going to see things perhaps we didn't see. But may God's word continue, continue uh, to build all of us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for the evening and for all that have given their time all throughout our campus tonight, God. All the volunteers, uh, all the different age groups, all the different ministry that's happening. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have been given to do what we do every single week and specifically on these nights, on these Wednesday nights. God, I thank you for those here in the sanctuary. There has been a prayer of blessing over them and the word been alive and nurturing their souls. There's been words of blessing spoke over them in this this evening. And I just add to that, Father Lord, that God, your hand is upon each and every one. And as we've heard your word, I pray that God, it continues to grow inside of us and it continues to mold, Father Lord, us and who we are in you. I pray, Father Lord, there were different things I know that, that really probably stuck out to different individuals, God, as we were looking at this. And I pray that, God, you're doing our work in every home, every relationship, every family. And I pray, I pray that our trust is in you. Those schemes that are working against us, those battles, those lies, that manipulation of the world... All of that—that's trying to play against our emotions and play against our knowledge of the truth. All of those things that are trying to, to work against who we are in you, and work against our marriages, work against our children and what they believe and, and what has been seeded into their hearts. Father, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will trust in you and that, Father, Lord, that the battle is not just ours, but, Father, the battle is yours. And together, Father, Lord, we will see victory in our lives. It's not by our own knowledge. It's not by our own power. It's not by our own might. But it's by the Holy Spirit that's working and moving, God, in our lives, in us as individuals and collectively. So I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, blessing upon my family, blessing upon my church family, God. I pray that they are receiving, that, they, that God, you're speaking truth, and what needs to change, changes. What needs to be corrected is corrected. What needs to be added, it will be added. Father, Lord, you, may you work in each and every one. And, Father, as I pray and close out, I know there are many requests in our church. There are those that we're praying for. And I'm going to specifically call out the McKinney family tonight, God. Because Rita needs a miracle. Rita needs a miracle. Marshall needs your hand upon him in his surgery tomorrow. And I pray that we will see a powerful, powerful move upon their lives and they will be just just an encouraging testimony to all. I pray for them. I pray for Christine, Father Lord, tonight that you reach out to her and your hand is upon her life as well. I know there are many needs, Lord. But as a family, I want to lift those up to you that, God, I know that Father, Lord, just need that touch, that miracle in their lives. I pray blessing, favor, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in intercession. I pray your presence, your peace uh, is felt very richly by every single one. We go and we go with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.